Cardinal, Bon Bon Marito, and Buonasera, fellow Melanisti, and welcome to the MLM Podcast with me, your host, Max Lombardia. And again, I'm joined by everyone's favourite AC Milan uncle, Dil Gino. Hello, mate. Hi, mate. How are you doing? Yeah, very well. Thank you. Very well. Thank you. Um, before we get into the episode, um, this episode is brought to you by Malia Tilde. For all your current and retro football kit and tracksuit needs, you can find them on Instagram at malia.coucho2023 and direct message them for orders. Right then, guys, lots to talk about this week again. Um, Frozenone game to recap, uh, Atalanta game to preview, a little bit of a chat around Serie A, the table, etc. And then we'll dive a little bit more into the Maldini interview. Um, I've got a couple of questions from listeners, and then we'll end this on our favourite segment, um, Botti Daddy and Canoli. So, should we start with the Frozenone game, Gino? Let's do it, yeah. So, Frosinone game. So, obviously, we went into this game from that horrendous 3-1 Dortmund loss at home. Um, kind of took the wind out of our sails in the Champions League, I think would be fair to say. Um, I know we talked about it on the last episode, but we were still kind of still kind of feeling it from there. Um, we went and played Frosinone, who actually, since their promotion said, yeah, have done pretty well. They find themselves on 18 points, kind of mid-table. Yeah. Um, which is really good um, considering where they came from. I know they, I think they won Serie B, didn't they, last year? Or was that a different team? No, they did. Did they win it or was it Genoa? Genoa won it, didn't they? Genoa won it, yeah. Genoa won it and then Frosinone was second. That's right, because Cagliari won that playoff, didn't yes. they? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair enough, yeah. So, and they were managed. Sudtirol or something. That's right. Or Bardi. Uh, no, it was Bardi. It was Bardi, definitely Bardi, Bardi yeah. Because that do you remember the scene where the bus drives around the stadium? Yes, that's it. That's it. Um, so you know, Frosinone last season had uh, Fabio Grosso in charge. Um, if you're Italian, you know who Fabio Grosso is. Uh, if you don't know who Fabio Grosso is, you're not Italian, basically. <laughs> yeah, basically, yeah. Um, and uh, he, uh, for whatever reason, he'd gone, and the Savio Di Francesco took over. Um, so yeah, so look, we kind of knew what we've got here. We've got a newly promoted team. They're not playing low block. They're not playing defensive football. If I, if anything, they're actually playing quite an attacking style, um, mm. quite counter-attacking, uh, using Sule, uh, the player on loan from Juve. They've got another Real Madrid loanee, Mele, Mele. Um, yeah. Who, who, oh no, sorry, Rayner. God, that was completely wrong. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> done, he's he's yeah. been doing really well as well. So they've done well to get a few loaning signings and they've, and they've even got our old... Um, They've got Brescianini, who obviously ended up scoring. But I believe we actually... I don't think we've loaned him. I think we've let him go. I think we've released him to Frosinone. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so we've actually made no money from it whatsoever. No. Uh, I believe, which is a bit frustrating. However, as you know, the X's come back to get us. So, look, let's... um. Let's go through this game minute by minute. Did you any sort of thoughts going into this game from you, Gino, based on the Dortmund game and that scrape against Fiorentina? I mean, my only thought really going into it was, look, we've got a decimated side. Um, injuries have been our thing now since I can remember. Mm-hmm. Uh, or certain, I mean, certainly even like since the Ancelotti years. You know, like I used to remember the Ancelotti years being quite injury prone, but we had a depth of talent there. Mm-hmm. And I don't think, I mean, I don't think we had the serious volume of injuries that we've got under Pioli right now. Um, but all I was thinking of was it's Frosinone. If we can't win 
You know, if we can't get, you know, eke out a win, we, we've got much bigger problems. We're, even based on the squad that we had available to us, we'd have much bigger problems. So for me, it was all I wanted to see was some sort of reaction, some sort of performance, going back to some sort of style, a semblance of style of football that brought us back into uh, into playing the way we know how to play. Yeah, absolutely. Spot on. Um, so let's go through the starting formation. Then. So like you said, decimated with injuries. We know we've got Liao out. We've got Okafor out. We've got the sort of usual suspects at the back with Chow, uh, Simon Kier, Pellegrino, um, just countless injuries, one after the other. So we had to field a bit of a strange, strange defensive line anyway. So Mike Mannion started in goal. Um, that's the staple, really. We had Davide Calabria at right back. Now, Victor Mori moved from the left centre-back role to the right centre-back role. And in a strange twist of things, Theo Hernandez came into the left centre-back role uh, freeing up the slot for Alessandro Florenzi to be left back. Lots of reports suggested that Teo himself volunteered to play that role. And there was a bit in the press conference where Pioli said, um, none of you will know what we're about to do sort of thing before the game. Um, I think it came out within, what, an hour of him saying that in the press conference that they were thinking of playing Theo Hernandez at centre-back. What did you think when you saw that? Saw that Tamori was where he was and where Teo Hernandez was. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, part of me laughed, part of me died on the inside, and and what was left of me kind of accepted the fact that if this is if this is like all we've got left, you know. If anything, it's like, I hope, A, he doesn't cock it up because it'd be very easy for him to do it because, you know, Teo loves to run ahead, doesn't he? He loves to, he just loves to do those massive runs. Well, you can't do that when you're the centre-back. Um, few have done it before in the past, but not many, um, without there being then a consequence. And and also, it just kind of felt to me like it was also Pioli's way of saying, I need reinforcements in January. Because he wasn't going to go get one of the youth lads, was he? He did have that option. So it, ju it, just, it just sat a bit weird with me to be... But then when I saw it, I was like, right, okay, let's see what happens. <laughs> let's just see what happens. Yeah. How, how bad could it possibly be? Yeah, exactly. I thought we'd see Simic, if I'm honest. I thought we'd see him from the beginning. Yeah. Um, natural centre-back, big lad as well. Like big well, lad, well, isn't he? Well-proportioned in stature. Against Frosinone, I thought that would be a good place to start him. Mm. Um, however, you're right. I think you're right. I think this was a call for help or a cry for, a cry for help for reinforcement in January. Almost a sort of smokescreen to try and sort of, you know, say, well, hold on. This is how decimated I am. This is what I'm going to have to play. Yeah. Um, I, I like you was a little bit mm, skeptical. I like Theo because he goes forward, and you and I know that being a centre back. Well, I don't know if you ever played centre back, but I have. You yeah. have to. Yeah. You have to. You have to be so disciplined in what you do. You have to be rigid in your positioning. You have to be two or three steps ahead. 
Theo defensively sometimes isn't as good as he could be. And I was just a little bit worried that him at centre-back would cause was cause carnage. Uh, um, well, the, the, I mean, the biggest thing is, you know, he's, he's, he's our most carded player. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. you know, if you, you know, what would it, ta- what would it take for him to not get booked? Ironically. And, and I'm just trying to think, did he get booked in the game? No. No, right. so that's that's what it takes. You need to make him centre back to not get booked, because he knows he can't mess around. He can't just stick in a foot, and you know that when you're a centre back, your positioning has to be that you can't just stick in a foot. You've got to stand up the player, and take him to the area where another player can happily stick in a foot. Right. The modern centre-back today, if I, if I think back to the centre-backs when I was growing up, right, and the modern centre-back today does not do what the centre-backs did when I was growing up. When I, I mean, we're going, we're talking many, many years ago now. But <laughs> if, 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 for example, I'm a 10-year-old and I'm watching football or I'm learning football, when I was learning football and I was, you know, a bit younger, let's say, let's say six, seven, eight, nine, ten whatever it was, but let's say as a 10 year old. So that was, it was a simple thing of you used your physicality, right? You would, you would allow the player to come towards you and then you'd use your physicality. You wouldn't let them come side on. You try and tackle them head on, right? The modern, the modern center back today is a, a much better ball carrier. They're much better better passers, right? Which is why the likes of the Kaiser and even like a Beresi, even though Beresi wasn't really a centre-back, but that's where he ended up going, you know, towards the end of his career. They That's why they were so lauded, because they had incredible passing ability for their generation, right? Whereas if you look at the modern centre-back, modern centre-backs anticipate are faster and arguably not as good with their heads today compared to how they were in the past, but you don't, you don't force the tackle, right? Yourself, you force somebody else to do the tackle. So that's where I think Hernandez, it kind of worries me, worried me a little bit, really um, with, with that kind of positioning, you've got to anticipate. You can't just throw yourself in there. Beautifully put, Gino. Beautifully put. Um, my, my other worry was Florenzi um, and Theo having to deal with Sule. Now, I know in the end, it, it, it almost wasn't there. Like it, it didn't really do yeah. much at all. Didn't turn but, up, really. But he was probably, before the game on paper, one of their biggest threats. And I thought we looked a bit weak on that side. However, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't the case. So that was our back four. Probably started, I think, what is right at this moment our strongest midfield, which was Ruben Loftus Cheek, Rinders, and Musa. And then we had Chuck Wazy, Lukijovic, and Pulisic up front. So, again, 4 3 3. Not bad. Good formation based on, again, what he could probably have put out. Jovic has to stay, has to start, sorry, because Giroud is suspended. Okafor's injured. You've got Pulisic in left because, again, Leo was injured. 
Chuck Wazy comes in because Pulisic can't play on the right because he's playing on the left. So quite quite straightforward starting eleven. Looking at their starting eleven and their formation is slightly different. A four-two-three-one. So they went Onyo Onyono uh, left back, Akoli and Romagnoli centre backs, uh, Monterisi right back, uh, Torati in goal. And then as their two sort of double pivot was Brackenkea and Budabaya. And then they had Sule, Reiner, which is a guy from Real Madrid, Ibrahimovic on the left, not that Ibrahimovic, and then Cooney yeah. up top. So slightly different formations, but again, probably theirs and our strongest um, possible formation, really, to be completely honest. So look, let, let's go through this game. So I won't go into all of the detail before the goal, but the, before the goal, we it was it was not great to watch. Um, it was a bit slow. Like we we looked almost like worried or like scared of something, even though we were playing Frosinone at our own in our own garden. Um, and it took us a long time to get going. Actually, mm-hmm. I thought. What what did you think of that first sort of? 30, 40 minutes. What what was going through your mind as you were watching it? Well, I thought it was a bit of a replay of the Dortmund match. That, not the Dortmund match, sorry, the Fiorentina match. My apologies. Just a bit boring, a bit slow. And actually, it's like we feared him. We feared Frosinone. Like they'd get us on the counter. So we were just playing it so safe. You know, we weren't trying to make anything happen. We weren't trying to create. What about you? What did you what did you make of it? Yeah, exactly the same. I I just thought I thought, is this Milan at home at, at, in the San Siro? Or is Frozenoni the home team? Um we just we were not quick. We weren't fast with our no. with our ball movement. We were sluggish, we were slow. We were, we were making loads of really silly mistakes with the ball as well. We were losing position. Um, we we just didn't look switched on. I think it was a bit of a, a bit of a worry with the formation, the injuries. I think the mentality coming out of that Borussia Dortmund game we kind of, I think, you know, punched a few people in the face, really. Mm. Um, and we just didn't quite look right. Then, 41st minute, the, to be honest, the best chance or the first best chance actually falls to them. Tomori makes quite a big mistake at the back and he kind of gifts the ball to Kuni who runs onto it and he and he has a really good chance for a one-on-one so he gets himself into the penalty area and Manyan to be fair comes out and makes a really good sort of you know makes himself big and stops it yeah the forward getting through um when that happened I thought wow if that had gone in that is literally the cherry on the top for these last 40 odd minutes um, and we, like you said, we were just inviting them. It was like we were waiting for them to make the first move. It, it, it just felt strange. However, literally two minutes later, we get our first goal, and Luka Jovic finally opens his account. So again, it, it's a bit of weaving and weaving in our midfield. Loftus cheek, he spreads the ball to the left for Chakwesi, gets through centre back and full back, takes them both on out of play. He kind of. The ball kind of lofts over, um, it's kind of hit out, and it kind of falls to Jovic perfectly, who seems to have forever to coordinate himself and volley it into the back of the net. Um, great for Jovic, um, good action on play, really good that it was so quick after we nearly conceded as well. Yes. Um, and that kind of sprung the game in li- into life, finally. Yeah. What did you think of the goal? Great to see Jovic score. Well, it was great, and that's all I was going to say. It was just great to see Jovic score. I mean... I think the thing is as well, it's like 
I've not exactly been uh, positive about him. I don't think I was on the last time you invited me on. Um, but it's because I've had nothing to see. Do you, you know, so I've had, I've had nothing to really see of him. And what I noticed in this game, but especially in that first goal, he made that goal for himself. You know, his movement and 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 the way that he gave he gave up position to then get into position. So it was great to see him score. I think it's a great confidence boost as well. And and actually, I think I think he's understanding if I want to stay here, I've got to work harder. It just showed like he just worked a bit more at his game. And then reports have come out since the game that that's what he's been doing. He's been working harder. He's been staying longer. He's been speaking to the players to understand movements better. Well, then my question is, well, why isn't, why wasn't he doing that before? So, but it was just great to see him score, to be honest, a great goal for him. And I thought the movement, I thought the movement for me said it, said it all given up position to come in, to cut around, then to get back into it, to score. That's that's the sign of somebody who's learning that who's basically putting the t- the time and the effort into their craft. And I don't think you're wrong to have criticised him before. By the way, he, he hadn't done anything. He hadn't done which, anything, had he? I mean, he, it's, no. it's only a few. It's only a few games ago. You know, all the stats and all the voice was the fact that he hadn't had a shot on target and he played a lot of minutes. Yeah. Um, you know, if you compare him to Okafor, who's played hardly any minutes really, who'd scored two goals, Jovic had done nothing. Um, so absolutely fair enough. However, you saw a little bit of life in him against Fiorentina. We then saw him hit a post against Dortmund. And then this game, like you said, the work ethic that he's clearly been putting in is starting to pay off. Um, and what was what was good as well is, you know, Jovic has, has a great opportunity here at Milan to do well because we can't rely on Giroud all the time. Um, so... It's a big risk for us, and I think a, a risk that's too big for us to sort of calculate in the grand scheme of where we need to be this season. However, for him, he's got a great opportunity to, I'm not saying with no pressure, because he does have pressure on him, but to just learn, to just build, to regain his confidence, and to get these goals here and there, and to try and become the forward that he was when he yeah. was back at, um, where was he before? Uh, Frankfurt. Frankfurt. And, 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 and here's the thing for me, right? So now I know we're looking forward to the Atlanta uh, Atlanta game, right? I would start with him. Yeah, because he's in form, because he's had a good couple of games. Right. Um, and, yeah, I, I, I completely see why you'd say that. Yeah, and and here's my thing, right? Let Giroud rest. Giroud's always going to give you the goals, right? He's just he's he's just a proven goal scorer, Giroud, right? He'll do it. He'll always make chances for himself. Give Jovic the time to actually now work at it, right? Let, let, let us see what else he can do, okay? This isn't me fanboying Jovic by any stretch of the imagination, but he's in four. Carry on, re, 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 carry on with your reassumption of the game. Sorry, just carry on. Because I'll get to that bit. I'll get to that bit. Sorry, carry on. Okay, no, fine, fair enough. Um, yeah, so obviously we go into the break 1-0 up. Um, again, a bit like the Fiorentina game. Hard to say we fully deserved it on the entirety of the first half. But for those last sort of 10 minutes, you know, five sort of 
five minutes, we were better. Half time comes along. Uh, they put Brajunini in for Borobia, so he comes off. Uh, and we get to the 50th minute. Now, so Manyan plays an absolute pinpoint 60 yard pass, which essentially lands on Pulisic's foot. He, Pulisic takes a superb first touch, runs onto the ball. He does a couple of defenders. I, keeper, yeah. keeper, keeper comes out and he, then he finishes like a world-class centre forward, almost chips the ball into the back of the net. He, it, it's a supreme assist and a supreme goal. What did you think about that? Goal? I mean, I just the assist in itself is phenomenal, right? Let's not... I mean, the assist... When people want to talk... I mean, we said it, didn't we, in the, in the season preview? Jan Sommer's going to be the best signing for, for, for Inter. We said that. The pair of us said it because we think... I mean, I said it. I've said it for the last seven, eight years. I think Jan Sommer's one of the best keepers in the world. Certainly mm-hmm. in the top five, right? Yeah, underrated. Massively underrated. Incredible shot stopper. Incredible shot stopper. But... And we and we said that people can go back on the MLM podcast and and check out season preview. I even flipping said it. I've got the yes. for it. Yeah, yes, so, you did. So my thing is, Jan Sommer's distribution's also been key to 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 to, to into success thus far this year. But we know Mannion's got that. We know Mannion's got the ability to pass, which is something that Donnarumma's never had. Donnarumma's basically got animal feet. He's got platypus feet, for God's sakes. <laughs> that lad, he's got no ability, no control. He can't do anything with his feet, that lad. Can't save with him. Honestly, like, the only thing he could do is if you stuck if you stuck flippers on him, he might be able to beat Michael Phelps in a swimming pool. That's about it, right? So, you know, with Magnon, we've had an upgrade. The pass was phenomenal. But that first touch is filth. It, it is. You're right. It's absolute filth. Absolutely. It's almost like the equivalence. I'm just trying to think of what it would be like. It would be like I I I can't even put it into. I, it'd be like I don't know. Eric Clapton giving you. I don't know. Eric Clapton sod that. It'd be like you know a great guitar hero just sitting down and playing guitar right in front of you for half an hour. Do you know what? Do you know what I compared it to? Go on. I, um, I I was talking to one of my uh, friends at work, um, and they they don't follow Italian football. You, you're probably like me, Jenna. It's so hard to talk to people about football here because um, they don't know what you're talking about half the time. Anyway. <laughs> so this is why you need to talk to me. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So I was I was explaining his goal, and he said, and my mate said, "Oh, uh, Pulisic, what the one who played for Chelsea?" I was like, "Yeah." He was oh he was rubbish at Chelsea. I said, well, he wasn't, but you know he took he a really good yeah. touch. And I said, and I said it was like when you've opened a brand new pack of tiramisu, right, and you've ripped the label off. Oh uh, no, you ripped you, the label off. What's this you, about? So you know, you know when you take the the tray of tiramisu out, right, and then you peel back that plastic thing from the, you know, if you bought it from a Waitrose or whatever, and then you take that first mouthful and it's got that like chocolatey covered top and no one's touched it <laughs> and it tastes absolutely sublime and the chocolate hits the back of your neck like that's what i would compare <laughs> it to just look guys this is the mlm podcast i'm trying to keep it as italian as possible right the, that first little wedge of tiramisu i'll take back the whole guitar hero stuff only because i've just heard an obscenity 
with you saying you've bought a tiramisu, right? They are easy to make, Max. We're, I'm going to have to do give the recipe online. <laughs> you can see that in the description. I'm not having any of this. Zio Gino, Zio Gino is going to make everybody a tiramisu, and you're going to watch how I'm going to do it. Um, it's right. Yeah. All right. I get what you're saying. It's basically creme de la creme. The touch as well is part outside of boot, which is what gives it the natural direction to pull the defenders away or to pull him away from defenders. Then it, it's it's a goal in three it's a goal in three parts right or four parts the pass the first touch right the acceleration that mm. he then yeah. puts on mm -hmm. yeah yeah and then the finish and you're right that finish is sublime because it's power but it's a controlled power he knew precisely where he was going to put it. So it's the touch took the defenders away or him away from the defenders. The acceleration then brings him away from the defenders. This is where the old guard centre back would have just gone, sod it, I'm taking a red. Yeah? Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. New guard centre back is like, I'm not going to risk a red. Personally, uh, I, I would have tried to take his legs. Personally, the, the goal is great. The defending was atrocious. I don't know what they were doing. The defending's were absolutely shocking. The defending's They're, shocking. Yeah, yeah. They were they were all over the place. Yeah, Manoli was. I don't know what on earth he was doing. I mean, there was three of them. Mm. There was three of them. So, but a better shout from the keeper would have helped there. Yeah, you they know? they they. I mean, it's great goal from Pulisic, and you that isn't. Luck that is all that is all hard work, yeah. Fantastic, but the defending was embarrassing. Like, if that's the other way around, I'd be fuming, oh, absolutely yeah. fuming, yeah, yeah. Um, right, so we get the second goal, um, and I'm feeling much better. You're probably feeling much better. Everyone that's watching the game is going, Oh, thank god, we've scored a second goal, and then straight after that, I thought, Oh, hold on a minute. We've scored a second goal before in these sorts of games. Yes. And uh, then it's not gone our way. So are we going to finish this or are we going to screw this up? And actually, do you know, I didn't see anything that made me think in the next five, ten minutes that we would screw it up. We actually grew a bit better into the game as well. Um, then he made some subs. Um, we saw Yassin Adley come on in the 64th minute for Chuck Wazy. Yeah. Before Kronich. No. Oh, he's Ooh. on his way out. Isn't he? Ooh, he's on his way out. Maybe Purely's finally seen the light. Maybe. Maybe. Uh, where is it? I had this ready for you. Go on. Uh, hang on. So go and repeat that line. Maybe Purely's seen the light. <laughs> Sorry, for, uh, it's too far behind now. But basically, that's chic. Good times. Listen to it, kids. You might might enjoy it. Banger. There Absolute it is. Banger. 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 <laughs> that that that. By the way, anybody listening, that guaranteed to get everybody dancing this Christmas. Stick it on. Anything or, by chic. Anything by yeah. chic. I love it. 
That's great. Go. We we need to do a um, segment in the future podcast around that song. We need to find a just, chic, just a good, a good chic, segment. <laughs> yeah, chic. We need like yeah. Seria chic moment of the week or something. That's we it. Need to play it and then with something that's happened. So today's Seria chic of the week, guys, yeah. is Yasin Adley coming on instead of Greenwich. All, all, all I'm saying is this is guys. This is content on the fly. We don't plan any of this, as you can tell. <laughs> well, well, I don't. Thanks, <laughs> guys, but I don't. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, right. So yeah, we we grew into the game and then we get our three 0 So. Um, again, rubbing my eyes, trying to make sure I'm watching if I'm awake or I'm alive or if I'm dreaming. A perfectly executed set piece routine, Gino. You seen one of them? Yeah, it, it's it's the Christmas miracle that's come, you know, twenty days too soon. But I'm I'm here for it. But well, this is another Badrabio, isn't it? He's it's a Badrabio moment. It's a bad he's got the holy holy water. He's blessed the uh, set piece coaches, and he said, "For God's sake, get one right, at least one right." Um, absolutely sublime bit of play. A really well rehearsed uh, drill. Great crossing by Theo. Great knockdown by Jovic to get an assist as well. Uh, and Tamori in the right place just to kind of poke it past the keeper. We take our three 0 lead. Um, great. Absolutely great. Um, Chukatrori comes on just after for Pulisic, who gets himself a well-earned rest. Pabega comes on for Ruben off this cheek. And another really great story of the game, Benesir finally comes on the 79th for Rangers and gets a little run out. So good to see Benesir back. Um, we've definitely missed him. Uh, definitely missed him. What did you think when you saw him on the pitch? Um, yeah, it was, just, it was just nice to have him back, man. I, and the thing is, straight away, composure. Utter composure. He was on it, wasn't he? Literally, like his first second. I think his first pass was a like he split two defenders, like literally. Yeah. Um, just a class. When you have a class player, a naturally class player, that make a massive difference. And he is the last piece we've got left of our Scudetto winning midfield. You know, Kessie's gone, Tonali's gone. Yeah. He, he is the last piece of that jigsaw. So it's great to see him back. Um, really good. Um. And then some absolutely just brain fart defending. Uh, and we can see the, the, um, that free kick from Bracianini. Uh, I don't know what Mike's doing there. I, I don't really know what the defenders are doing either. The ball just comes straight through and into the back of the net. Um, is it a worry that we can't keep a clean sheet? I mean, I know we've got the three points, but does that worry you at all? It's slight. It's, it's worrying from the perspective that it's becoming a bit of a habit. And, you know, habit, habits are formed, right? So it's almost like when your attention just drops just that little bit and then it becomes a habit that your attention drops. Now, if you're at 3-2 and you've gone to the habit where your attention drops in the last 10 minutes of the game, then, then you're drawing or possibly even losing the game. So it, it is slightly worrying. However, the defence needs to be overhauled with the centre-backs in the sense of we need a replacement centre-back, if not two. We need to think about our right-handed handed side and we need to think about our left-handed side, Right? I think the reason why Teo is no is not doing what he was doing in the Scudetta winning year or even last year to some extent is because 
I don't think he's being challenged on that left-hand side for that position. You need to bring in players that that kind of give that little bit of a challenge to say, if I don't step up, I've, I've, I've got to, you know, work harder. Also doesn't help that he is, he is widely considered as one of the top five left backs in the world. So, you know, if you, if you believe your own press, it's going to go against you, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. you know, I think, I think he needs to be challenged, but again, this comes down to Pioli, Pioli's man management, um, Pioli's ability to, to kind of, you know, push people in the right areas, you know, stuff like that. And, and I think that's where he's going to have to make the difference in getting Teo to play better. I think it's about pushing people in those right areas to do it. Yeah, I agree. I completely agree. If you don't have competition, you, you, you don't push yourself. Healthy competition is what drives performance, isn't it? Yeah, um, and, and you're absolutely spot on. If he's not driven, if he's not pushed, he will regress because what you know you're going to play every week regardless, right? Um, th th there's a few rumours transfer wise of a of a Juan Miranda from Real Betis. Have you seen any of this? Um, we're we're heavily linked with him. He's a left back from uh, Real Betis, and his contract ends in June 2024. So the rumours are that we're either going to get him on a free in June or we're going to pay a small fee to try and get him in January straight away. Um, I've seen a lot of debacle around, is he Theo's replacement? And are they going to then sell Theo? I really hope not. I think it's just a left back to field into the team to get the roster back up right. What do you think? Is that is there any, is there any truth in that? Missed the name you said then. It just kind of cut out on me. Sorry, who was it? It's, so his name is Juan Miranda. Oh, yeah, uh, no. Have you seen any rumours? He's the left back from Real Betis. Yeah, I've seen the rumours. I don't... I don't... How old is he? 23? Yeah, he's quite young. He's quite young. He's been linked to, like, Barcelona and that. Um, and he, we can get him potentially on a free in June or we can purchase him for a few mil in Jan. Um, and the rumours are that... There's twofold rumours here. Some people are saying he's just a backup left-back. He's here to give some strength and depth. And some rumours are saying... He is Theo's eventual replacement for Theo to be sold in the summer. Now, I really hope it's not the second one, and I hope it's the first one. Do you think there's any truth in any of that? I mean, to to be honest, I'm just looking at some some stats on him right now that you've said it. If you're bringing him in to replace Theo, right, he's got to be, first and foremost, right, He's got to be as good to replace in the system that is currently being played. If the system reverts to your left back is essentially just a left back, then you've got to play to this guy's strengths and abilities, strengths and weaknesses, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. Is is he gonna is he is he gonna be as somebody that marauds as quickly forwards? Also, does Teo stay if Leao stays? If Leao leaves, does Teo leave? If that happens, your whole left hand side's got to be rebuilt. Do you do it with fast functional players, 
or do you do it with a more with a more kind of steady eddy approach do you change your system to be that uh, albero di natale you know that 4321 do you go to back to a 4231 which is what i think milan should always be playing by the way i think they should always be playing that um they should either be playing a 4231 or a 4321 you know that's that's the style of football that we as fans want to see now if somebody comes in and invents a whole new system and it works i'm i'm all here for it but it's harder to invent systems of play when players aren't taught that at a youth academy level or even just in their professional career if they're not that kind of player we see what we've seen what that's done to adley for example adley's played out of position for us how good would he be in a 4-3-2-1 genuinely yeah we we're still yet to really see adley in his actual position yeah, we only saw him once last season, I think, when we played Verona. Yeah, uh, and that wasn't a great game. But again, he'd hardly played, had he? So no, we're still yet to see him actually in the cam role. That is his actual position. Um, he is one of the very few number tens that actually can slot and play that role. Yeah, um, but yeah, no, we don't. We don't see it. We, we don't, don't see, see it, it because we don't play it. So that, that's my that's my issue. So I think if you're going to bring in this, what's his name, Juan Miranda? Yeah. Uh, I mean, he's Spanish, so he'll be good, won't he? Either way. Yeah. The, the, what what worries me the most, Gino, is um, if, you know, you know what? Right, so to talk about a different team, you know, like an Inter, right? Mm. So they go and sell Hakimi for what was it, sixty mil? Like a good yeah. good summary. And then they went and bought Denzel Dumfries for twelve mil. So what? So what does that mean? Is Denzel Dumfries as good as Hakimi? I don't think so. No. But he fits into their system and he costs a hell of a lot less. Yes. I just have this horrible feeling that that's what we're looking at doing. We're going to try and sell some well, big players. That's and... that's what we're going to try to do. Yeah, but I'm not sure it will work. And I don't think it will work because, <laughs> yeah. again, but again, this is the thing that we were saying last time together. If Pioli, right, isn't tough with the board and say, this is the kind of football I want to play, therefore you need to give me these kinds of players, and the board just basically says, cash cow, I know for my left-hand side, I can generate... Leao could could effectively be sold to PSG, for example, for $110 million. Easily. Yeah, easy, easy. Yeah. Or a, a, even 150 right? Well, Hernandez, are you saying that Hernandez can't command a 60, 70, 80 million price tag? Yeah, I think he can. Yeah. So you're effectively saying that left-hand side is going to generate anywhere between 220 to 240 million. If that's the case, 240 million rebuilds you a squad. Right? So if you're Pioli... Do you have the the guts and the brain to basically say, we're going to play 4-2-3-1. This is the kind of player I need. Stick that into your algorithm, computer, right? Smoke it. Come back to me with the players. 
you got to you got to buy players for a system. You got to buy players, and not just for a system. They've got to be technically good enough. That's where the difference is made. That's why players are interchangeable on the inter side, because they they're buying technically good enough players, who then fit the system well. So, yeah, it's a bit of a weird one that one. Yeah. Shall we okay. crack on? Shall we crack yeah. up the Maldini let's, stuff? Should we? Well, should we do? Let's recap Serie A first. Sorry. Um, yeah. Yeah. Let's go through that, and then we can talk. Uh, do you want to do? Well, I'm thinking Serie A, Atalanta, and then we'll we'll sort of finish. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll finish off on Maldini. Yeah. Okay. Right. So let's go through these uh, results. So Serie A. So first game, Monza, Juve, um, Juve still in all three points. Uh, very. Oh, I say this is very lucky. Very fortunate. Um, Monza stole an equaliser in the 91st minute, yeah. I believe. Yeah, they did. And then, yeah. and then Juve went straight back up the pitch again and scored uh, the winner in literally at the 94th or something. Was it Gatti? Yeah, Gatti yeah. scoring again. What was hilarious for me was Gagliardini <laughs> celebrating <laughs> like a celebrating like a madman in front of yeah. was it? I think it was Rabois, wasn't it? Or yeah, Rabois, however you say it. Uh, and just for Juve to literally go down the other end and score. And I think. Um, the social media posts from uh, Rabwar after just said it all, really. Yes. <laughs> um, a bit embarrassing on Gagliardini's part, but is what it is. Juve um, carry on winning, Gino. They just keep winning. Somehow, somewhen, in whatever fashion, yeah. um, the, the Brexit ball continues. Conosci Pika, as he says. <laughs> so. it, it, it just... I'll tell, tell you one thing about Juventus, actually. Um, I watched this... I saw this video come up on my um, Instagram sure. of Allegri reactions. Right. He he goes mental, like literally mental when he doesn't get what he wants. Um, I've never seen anything like it, like ripping clothes off, kicking stuff. Um, you'd think he was in a Champions League final, but he's not. Um, it's just it's just funny, just really funny. Anyway, Juve st- still the three, well, win the three points, which temporarily took them to first, actually, for... Um, for the second time this season, we had a Genoa one, Empoli one, a um, bit boring. Um, I think it was Malinowski scoring a pretty good goal for Genoa, uh, Empoli equalising. Lazio uh, one, Cagliari nil. Um, it was an early goal scored by Pedro, uh, and they kind of held on Lazio really. And they've sort of got back to winning ways. They've done well to get through the Champions League group as well. Um, and Sarri seems to be keeping his job uh, after the strange comments and press conferences from a week or two ago. Because they've got no one else to hire. Yeah, exactly. He said, didn't he? He goes, if it's if I'm the problem, then I'll go. Yeah. Uh, and then he got quite a good reaction in terms of results from his team. So maybe that's them saying, actually, do you know what? We want Sarri, we want to keep him. Um, don't know. Um, he, he is a bit of a moaner, uh, but if that's what works, that's what works for him. Um, so Lecce won, Bologna won. Uh, Thiago Motta was not a happy man. Uh, they conceded a penalty in the tenth minute of stoppage time, and Lecce scored. Sounds like it was a bit of a soft one. Uh, did you did you see it? The Lecce game. Yeah, the Lecce penalty because the, they've scored in the um, tenth minute of additional time. Yeah, realize. I I did. I'll be honest. I didn't see it, but I did hear that it sounded pretty weak. To be yeah, honest, it, so. It, it was soft. Let's put it that way. Right. Okay. And I understand why Thiago Motta would have kicked off. Um, yeah. Uh, but so they dropped. They dropped two crucial points there, Bologna actually. Uh, but Lecce again seemed to grind the odd result here and there. Um, so they're still doing quite well this season. 
Um, you had Fiorentina smash um, Salernitana 3-0. It was Beltran scored his first goal for Fiorentina in Serie A with a penalty. Satil scored his first goal in two years. <laughs> Not, um, a bit strange. Um, I mean, quite an unsuccessful winger, but it's good to you know, good for him that he's got going. And then the ever evergreen uh, Jack Bonaventura coming up with a third. Um, yeah. He's having, he's, I don't know if I could put this any better. He's having a renaissance season down in Tuscany, um, and absolutely bossing it. Loads of goals, probably one of the best seasons I think he's had so far. I just, I just, um, you know what? I just love watching him. I just love watching how he plays. I do, do, do I miss him at Milan? Of course I do. I, of course, because he's a Milan fan as well growing up uh, and so there's that kind of like attachment there and he was one of the best things of that Montella era okay but would he fit into our system right now no and I'm seeing a lot of people saying we need to bring him back it's like no, we really don't we he, really he, don't he would fit if you went to play like you say the 4-2-3-1 yeah He'd fit in there again in that sort of um, pushed-up centre midfielder, yeah. which is his, which again is his role really. But as a box-to-box midfielder, um, in terms of the sort of, I suppose what we need from him, it wouldn't work. So you're absolutely spot on. Um, would he have been great to have as a rotation player? Yeah, but like you said, we just talked about how important it is to have players that fit your system. Um, yeah. So unfortunately, he wouldn't. I don't think fit the system at the moment unless. Yeah. The manager started to change things, but let's be honest, he's 34. Milan are not going to go get him. No. Um, and Fiorentina are not going to give him away either. So so Fiorentina back to winning ways. Um so Swallow won Roma two. Really, I mean, you could say this game was quite heavily conditioned by the episodes. So Sosuolo actually took the lead in the 25th minute with Henrique, uh, which was a pretty good goal, actually. And then in the 76th minute. Dybala scores a penalty again, a really soft penalty. Um, I've seen those just completely waved away before, uh, but even though he, he steps up, he scores it. Before that, I should have said in the 63rd minute, Sassuolo actually go down to 10 men on a red card. And then Roma, you know, essentially for half an hour with the man advantage and get the winner in the 82nd minute uh, with Nissa. And the and again another funny Mourinho anecdote is he decides to come out and do the press conference. In I, I just loved it. I loved it. He, he absolutely just, loved it. He just is the ultimate shithousery manager, isn't he? He literally just does he, he, will, he just he's an act, and I love it. I'm literally here for every single second of it. I just I just love I just love how he did it. It was like a just complete def, uh, deference to to the journalist. He's got it in for the journalist, man. He's he's trying to make the journalist the enemy so it can inspire the team. And I understand yeah. what he's trying to do. I understand that basically by doing it that way, Roma get results. But but it 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 is what you just said. It's it's the ultimate shithousery. It, it's he does the whole it's us against the whole world thing, and it and it works. It worked. It works in the teams he's managed, and it kind of works at Roma as well, who find themselves in fourth. Gino. After all that, they find themselves in fourth. Um, so they've done pretty well. We move on. Napoli Inter. So Napoli nil Inter three. Yeah. I don't think the score really reflects the game. I think Napoli did really well for the first half. Um, they had some really good chances. They hit the woodwork. Um, they were pressing fairly well. But 
Inter Inter and they managed to grind the first half out. Hakan manages to score just before half time with a really good goal, it's got to be said. Um, and then they get the second and third through pretty good actions as well. Um, there's a penalty shout, a big one, uh, after I think Inter are 1 0 up and it's on Oshiman. Um, what did you think about that penalty shout? Did you, did you think it should have been a penalty? Should have been, been a penalty. Should have been a penalty. But plain and simple, look, right, the one line commentators, this should be clipped up, by the way, clip this up and stick this in, in socials. The one line every commentator should start avoiding is this. If it was outside of the box, it would have been a foul. What? So because it's inside the box, it's not. Doesn't make any sense, does it? That doesn't actually make any sense. So this this notion, uh, this is where it gets me so annoyed. Osserman is turning away from the defender. Osserman is kicked. Osserman goes down. It's a penalty. I'm not saying this because it's Inter. Because, my God, the amount of abuse I get off Napoli fans, mainly my family, but Napoli fans is, <laughs> is, quite, is quite hilarious. So I've got no love for Napoli either. But it's a penalty. And there was, by the way, two that should have been given for Napoli, to be perfectly honest. So the, 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 the standout for me in the whole inter-Napoli game is the, the arbitration is... Uh, is is atrocious. They committed, Inter committed 13 fouls and got two cards. Napoli commit two fouls and get two cards. Just make it make sense. There, I don't know where the stat is, but there is a stat where it shows all the fouls that Inter have made and how little yellow cards they've got. Um, look, I don't, I don't want to read into it too much. I don't want to go on, but it it just doesn't feel right, does it? The, the other big uh, refereeing decision in this is, I think it's from before, I can't remember if it's Inter's first or second goal, but Lautaro literally like holds Lobokta down. Like yeah. literally holds him down. Yeah. Um, again, how was that not a foul? That's, I think that's a really clear and obvious foul. It's, it um, makes no... It, it just... I need it to make sense because... This is this is where I do get annoyed with refereeing, and this is where I do see that the managers seem to have like, an, an, a, you know, the a right to complain. It's like it's you're making refereeing a tiered system of who you're who you're refereeing. You know, if you so what if you're refereeing? So let me get this right. If you're going to referee against what's it called against uh, against Inter. You know, or Juve, for example, or even Milan, right? We're going to hand out less yellow cards to those teams if you're the likes of a Frosinone, a Genoa, a Lecce. Do you see what I mean? It's because yeah, it's of titles yeah. you've got something. It's just, there's just this unfairness. But I am looking at the stats that Inter are pulling out in terms of fouls and the lack of cards. I'm not asking for players to be carded. I'm asking it for it to be fair. You know, I'm asking it that if that if that would have been a red card for Teo Hernandez, then it would be a red card for for an interplayer. You know, I'm just asking it for it to be the same. 
Yeah, but it's not. That's the problem, isn't it? That's the it, problem. It just isn't. It just isn't. So, you know, Napoli, with that point, we make it 1-1. I think it's a different game. I think it's a completely different game. Um, I can't, you know, Inter get the win. Um, again, they carry on. They keep going. Um, they look better and better. Um, I'm hoping there's going to be a slump at some point, but I can't see it right now. No. Um, so we'll move on. Fine, they get the three points. They beat Napoli away uh, 3-0. They go back to the top of the table. Last game of the round was Torino-Atalanta. Um, a bit shocked with the result here. I didn't expect this one. Torino beat Atalanta 3-0. Um, and Duvan Zapata sort of coming back to haunt his ex-team, scoring two pretty good goals, actually. Um, the only real thing of note for me was just, I don't know if you saw Zapata's interview after the game. He was literally in tears. <laughs> um, he talked about how Jovic, um, Juric and Torino had helped him to integrate and how sour the relationship had been towards the end of his time at Atalanta. So to have scored two goals meant quite a lot to him. Uh, it was just strange to see a player react in that way. Yes. Such a, such a like a seasoned yes. veteran forward. Yeah. Um, reacting that way after after a game like that, I suppose. Um, but, you know, Torino definitely were the better team. They played really well. They deserved the win. Um so, yeah, so that caps off steady after the week. Some interesting results, some good games, some poor refereeing decisions across quite a few games, if I'm honest. Um, but if we just quickly go through the table, so Intercit top on 35, you've got Juve second on 33, Milan um, closest to the top two uh, with 29 and third. Then we've built a bit of a cushion. Uh, so fourth is Roma on 24, uh, joint with Napoli on 24 as well. You've got Fiorentina on 23, Bologna on 22, then Atalanta and Lazio in, um, on 20, Torino on 19. Then you see Monza and Frosinone on 18. You've got Lecce on 16, uh, Genoa on 15, same with Sassuolo, Udinese in 12, Empoli, Empoli with 11. And then the three relegated teams are Verona on 10, uh, same with Cagliari, same on 10, and Salernitana on 8. Uh, before we move on, any, any surprises for you there? Not really, no. Kind of, I kind of thought the only one which you were saying before a bit, a little bit Frosinone, but you know when you watch the style of play and 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 kind of what they're doing, I think I think that's good. Um, little a little bit disappointed with uh, Udinese. You know the team that seemed to somehow turn into Barcelona against us, uh, yeah. not, not continuing with their amazing form. So. Yeah, they picked up a few points, haven't they? They, they, they have. Like, our win looked like it might, um, when they beat us, sorry, looked like they might go on a bit. But they've, yeah. uh, they've got a few draws and stuff, but nothing uh, nothing major. I think I've yeah. missed a game. I've missed a game from Serie Which one have I missed? Udinese and Verona. How did I miss that one? I three, think that was something I won, though, wasn't it? Yeah, that was the 3-3. Three, three. That was, was the 3-3. Three, three. Absolute. Yeah. Um, there was a Fantastic bicycle uh, kick. What there? Goal. Yes, there was in that game. Yes, absolutely yeah. sublime goal to make it three-two, and then they scored the equaliser. I think it's uh, Verona in the ninety-seventh minute. Um, so that was a great game. Um, really good goals in there. Uh, so yeah, right, we'll move on. So let's talk a little bit about uh, Milan going into Atalanta game. So I've got a few bits and balls for you here. So Atalanta, top of the Europa League group. So they've. They've pretty much qualified. They've done really well in, in the Europa League. Last five games, three losses. Napoli, Torino and Inter. One draw against the Danese and one win against Empoli. So their form of Serie A isn't great. 
They tend to play a 3 4 3, uh, and Skamaka is now injured until after Christmas. He's very injury prone. Um, I just looked at their starting formation from the last game. They use CDK as a false nine, Lookman and Moranchik just behind the forward. Um, then, sort of in their midfield with their sort of moving fullbacks, were Ruggeri, Kutminers, Edison, Hatboer, and uh, Dimasti, Darun, and Scalvini as a back three with Musso in goal. Like we said earlier, they're currently eighth with 20 points. Um, a bit of a, I think they prioritise Europe, which is good. Atalanta is never an easy place to go and play. No. Um, what do you think going into this game? Are you worried about anything? Anything jumping out to you? Um, no. Well, the curse of the X. So I think the Catalan is going to get a goal against us. Um, I've just got that horrible feeling he will. Um, I think the only, I think the only thing is, I think because we are, because we still are depleted in the in at the back. I think they'll know how to expose that weakness a lot better than what Frosinone did. So I think we are. Go- I think we are going to concede more goals. You know. Yeah. Um, equally saying that, I do think that we need need to start Jovic over over Giroud. I think that would also shock Gasparini a little bit um, because it changes the dynamic of how we attack. I think Chukawuze actually could expose their right-hand side, or sorry, their left-hand side uh, defence. Um, so I do see a, I do see a goal coming from the right. I think just all, 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 I want, all I want to see is that we're competitive, right? Is that we're competitive. I, 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 I think back to that game December 2020. No, not 20, 2019. And we got absolutely pummeled. And it was, I think Pioli had been in charge for about four games at that point, four or five games at that point. And we were decimated by them, weren't we? I mean, yeah, it, it, was, it was horrific. That All I... All I remember is Gasparini jumping up and down. How much I want to punch him in the face! Yeah, it just it just made me dislike Gasparini so much because there was a, like a real shit about it, and all of the players in that moment looked like they were suffering with trauma, trauma from how the season had started, the results on the pitch, everything seemed to have gone wrong, everything, and. I'm just mindful of that. I don't think we're playing an Atalanta side that is, that is as strong, for number one. But I do think we are playing the kind of side that knows how to expose our weaknesses. And I don't know if we've got enough in the tank to respond to them if they do get a bit of a march on us. If they like get a two-goal cushion on us, my concern is that it's not just two. Do you see where I'm coming from? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. They could it could open the floodgate, couldn't it? Yeah. And that's where I think that's where I think Pioli did his magic in that January window, and then we all know what happened in really in Italy and around the world yeah, in twenty twenty. 
you know, it, it had more time to, it, he had time to bed in the team, to give them the psychological support, the counselling, to turn them back into a team. I mean, the football we were playing after that, at, when we came back from COVID in that April time, was some of the most beautiful free-flowing football. Pioli ball was invented in that period, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Four, two, three, one. It all, it all resonated. It all came about. So for me, when I think back to that, it was like the good and the bad. And Atalanta was that turning point for us. It was that sliding doors moment, right? And now when I'm looking at it, I'm going, could this be another sliding doors moment? Could this be the, you know, could this mark the beginning of the end for Pioli if we absolutely bollocks this up? He can't. He can't afford a slip up. He can't. He can't. He can't. No. Especially not in Serie A, because if he's already effed up the Champions League, yeah, which we know isn't definite or certain, but we can kind of put our bottom dollar on that it is. Yeah. Um, then he can't. He can't slip up in Serie A. Um, and like you said, the Atalanta game is essentially the genesis of Pioli ball. It's essentially the genesis of Pioli and how he started and how he made changes. Ibrahimovic then comes in, doesn't he, in that January transfer window and Simon Kier comes in and everything starts to change. Um, so, yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, for me, I think, you know, we're not going to have Liao, we're not going to have Okafor. Um, and if we do have Liao, sorry, he'll be on the bench. He won't be starting if we're lucky to have him. Again, we're not going to have the the defenders that we've got out. I've kind of written a predicted lineup here, but I'm thinking actually he's then got to go and play Newcastle. What three, four days after? Yeah, um, I wouldn't so, predict. So I think he's going to go. I think he's going to rotate. Um, yeah, I'm not sure we'll see the ruin off the Sheikh Musa Rinders midfield. I think we will see though uh, Hernandez at centre back. I think we'll see Florenzi, Tamori, Calabria at the back. I think he'll try and go safe in defence. I think we. We'll, I think you. It's a really good shout to start Jovic, but I can't see him doing it. Um, yeah, we know we know what he's like. I think yeah, he yeah. gets a start. Pulisic and Jack Wazy, again, Pulisic is playing a lot of minutes. He's going to be needed in the Champions League. I don't really know who else he puts in that slot. He's got Chaka Traore, he's got uh, Romero. I'm not sure who else he has, really, to what, play there. Who's he going to put, Musa? He, he, well, yeah, he, he could put Musa. Well, he needs to rest them, doesn't he? He needs to rest um, them. I could see Adley here. I can see maybe Pobega. I could see Krinic. Um, now, you see, I could see an adley Pobega midfield. Happening, yeah, yeah. We could see a strange combination, yeah, in preparation for what is the do or die game because you know he's got two things riding on the Newcastle game. If he he has to, if he wins, he gets himself at least Europa League. If he wins, he potentially could get himself into the knockout stage of the Champions League. If he loses, he's out of everything. Um, so I can see him putting all his eggs in one basket if that makes sense, yeah. But he can't really afford to because he needs to keep winning in Serie A and keep close to uh, Juve and Inter. The five-point gap between us and fourth worries me. Is he think, does, he, does he think he can risk it sort of thing? Um, so that, that's what's going on for me. In terms of our form, you know, two draws, two wins and a loss in our last five. So we're in better form than Atalanta in the league. We're third, like we said, on 29 points. And Atalanta are nine points away from us. So, you know, what, what do you think? What's your prediction? Win, lost, draw. Have you got score prediction in there? What are you reckoning? 
Right. I'm going to give the score prediction 3-2, but I'm Ooh. not going to say who's going to come out best. Okay. Ooh, very uh, ominous. Right, so 3-2 to one or the other. Yeah. Okay, fair. Fair enough. I think Milan edge this one, and I think I think it's uh, it's an uncomfortable, sweaty affair. I'm going to go one nil Milan. Um, an uncomfortable, sweaty affair. That might be the yeah. title of my ninth jazz fusion album. So, <laughs> go for I'll, it. I'll write that down. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, look, I don't I don't charge for this sort of thing. It just comes naturally, mate. So honestly, if you you even if you use something like ChatGPT for that, I'm taking it. So that's it. <laughs> It's all yours. It's all yours. Um, right. So, should we talk a little bit about this Maldini uh, interview? I mean, we can um, talk a bit about it. Yeah, sure. <laughs> blimey. Um, how to uh, create a civil war on Milan Twitter uh, in five seconds, really. <laughs> um, so, look, um, Maldini gives, a, gives an interview six months after his departure uh, to Republica. Um, some people talk about the timing, you know, is it community time just after we've screwed it up against Dortmund? If I'm honest, you know, we, we've been screwing up games for a couple of months, really. So yeah, it's hard for me to kind of comprehend that it's directly done because we lost against Dortmund. Um, but Maldini doesn't hold back, does he? Um, he chooses violence that morning and he, he, he just goes for it. He chose violence. He chose violence. I'll let you carry on. Um, so I've got the interview in front of me, um, the English, right. you know, the translation. Okay. And there's a lot, lot to it, you know. Um, he so you know he starts with he he starts with you know where was he expecting his departure? Okay, and he says you know the, the club's been sold for one point two bill. If the new owners want to change, they have the right to do it, you know. But people and roles must be respected. You know, so he already starts quite strongly, doesn't he? Yeah. yeah. But one of the first things he says, and it's really important to, 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 to say this, my love for Milan remains unconditional. And he gets that in quite early. Very early. And and I think that's fair enough. You know, when you see Maldini, you see Milan, don't you? Like, he is a, he is a pillar. He is a bandiera. He is everything that represents the Milan of old, isn't he? You know, the winning mentality, the captain, the... The everything that comes with it. So it's great that he puts it in first. Then he kind of just slaughters them. Slaughters Fulani, Scaroni. He slaughters Cardinali. He doesn't like the fact he's called an individualist and he kind of hits back at that quite hard. Yeah. Um, which is fair. You know, do, do I think Maldini's an individualist? I don't know, Gina. He's, he's, he is a captain. He is renowned for being a captain, a leader of men. Uh, to be a captain, you need to be able to work in a group, right? Yeah. So to hear the word individualism is a bit confusing for me. Um, what do you think uh, before we go into the rest of the detail, just on that point there? Right. Uh, <laughs> I I have heard things from Milanese people who have connections. We all have these kinds of, you know, when you speak to somebody, oh, I know. but this is kind of pretty much a given yeah. from the source where it's, there is a bit of that individualism aspect to him. 
in the sense of wanting control. Now, how much of that was obvious and how much of that was almost fabricated based on things heard or not heard? Uh, I, 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 I'm inclined to agree with you 50% and inclined to agree with the other person 50%. I think there is a mixture. I think there is somebody who is extremely determined. You don't get to be that good if you're not extremely determined as an individual. However, you're only as good as the team that you've got around you. So, kind of 50-50. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, that's that's a perfectly fair fair opinion. Um you you you've got to have some kind of ego to be that person, haven't you? So, like you said, it, it fits hand in hand. Absolutely. He then he then goes on to say, um, so when he's asked about like his role, his signing power, you know that sort of thing, he says nothing could be further from the truth that Masara and I did not share objectives and strategies. Never had nor wanted signing power, not even for loans. Each purchase was endorsed by the CEO and owners. When we chose the players, sometimes the budget disappeared. Interference in sporting choices that shift financial balance is sometimes normal. So he then says that, he, that they didn't have all the power, that, that he never asked for it, that he just, see what I mean? Like it, it doesn't add up some of the interview if you wanted to be against Maldini slightly, if that makes sense. Um, what do you think about that? Uh, right. Again, it kind of goes contrary to what I've heard. But, but we're having to take his word for what his word is, right? So it's so complicated, all of this, because, you see, growing up, he, was, he and Baresi were the players that I looked up to. So I want to believe everything they say. I want to believe everything they say. But then part of it is, I don't think people make these big business decisions without reasons as well. Like, without their own reasons. Um, on this comment alone, you know, did he want signing power? Were him and Masara trying to get all the signing power? Isn't that their job? Isn't that what they're meant to do? Yeah, of course, of course. So I don't. So I'm. I'm so confused, Max, about it all. Carry on. He. So he then goes on to say um, about Cardinale and trust. Oh yeah. Um, oh, that's, about, that's a brilliant one. This. Yeah. He says so. Cardinale said that he was to trust um, that he has to trust each other. Uh, I did that, but things ended up. But how things ended up is well known. I believe the decision to fire us had been made months earlier, and there were those who knew about it. The contract, two years with an option to renew, was signed by me on June the 30th, 2022 at 10pm. It was going to be too unpopular to send us away after we won the Scudetto. <laughs> what was Cardinale's request? To win the Champions League. So this is this is this bit's hilarious. Um, I explained that a three-year plan was needed. From October to February, I prepared it with Masara and a consultant friend of mine. 35 pages of sustainable strategy and the need for a leap in quality sent to Jerry. Two of his very close collaborators in the CEO for Lamy. The answer, nothing. 
<laughs> so, yeah. so apparently not even a reply, not an acknowledgement, yeah. absolutely zero. And, and then he goes on to say, what else does he go on to say? Then he moves on to the um, signings. Right. So he, sa- so he says, out of 35 signings, we are challenged by De Ketelare, who was 21 years old. If you choose young players of that age, the failure rate is high. They must be waited for, helped, pampered, taken back. On the other hand, after three months of work, Boban, Masara and I were called to London by the owners and CEOs and practically uh, delegitimised. They didn't like Leal, Benesser and Theo, but started, uh, but starting a path was needed. In 2018-19, not a young and underperform- underperforming team without Champions League for six years, squad worth around... Uh, squad was worth around 200 mil, mm. salary of 150 mil. Yeah. In, four, in four years of reconstructing with young players uh, and the net spending of transfers of 120 mil, 30 million pounds per 30 million euros per season and 15 mil per window, value of the squad rose to around 500 million euros. Salaries dropped 120 mil and then and then for three years at 100 mil. And that was without being able to renew Kessie and Chernoglu. Mm. So Again, he blows his trumpet a little bit. He talks about after the end of last season, three seasons in a row in the Champions League, Scudetto after 11 years, Champions League semi-final after 16 years, positive balance sheet after 17 years, but if you're on the edge, one season is enough to ruin the previous work. Then he goes on to talk a little bit about the budget. He's told that, well, he says that Fulani tells him the budget was embarrassingly low. Yeah. And then all of a sudden after the his departure, it goes up. He talks about Tonali. He says he wouldn't have sold Tonali. Uh, he would have done everything to stop it at least. Uh, but he wasn't against making big sales if he'd had no. to do it. Then he talks about Pioli. Would I have replaced Pioli? My role involves frequent confrontation. With Pioli, we were already doing it for the following season. He deserved the renewal until 2025. And if there had been, as in the past, unity of intent and vision uh, with the company's objectives, I don't see why we would have had to change. Yeah. So that's a little bit different to what we've heard. Then he, then he just throws Scaroni under the bus. He he does it massively, him. doesn't he? Absolutely yeah. brilliant, this bit. It tells him he... Um, tell... <laughs> <laughs> uh, Go he... on, say it. I, say often, it. I often saw him leave when opponents equalised or took the lead, perhaps to avoid finding traffic, but punctually in the front row for the Scudetto. <laughs> yeah. Um, I have a different concept of sharing and teamwork. I can also say the same regarding the two CEOs, Gazidis and Fulani. Then he makes a dig at the algorithms and says there's no need for him to sign players like Loftus-Cheek, Pulisic and Chakwesi. And then says about, he says that that's the money that a company that finally has a turnover of 400 mil euros deserves. He talks about it being difficult to compare the transfer markets because rightfully so he had a much smaller budget than other ones. Talks about sustainability, um, sort of talks about Boban, etc., etc., and then his kind of parting shot is: um, Does my Milan dynasty end on June the fifth? I don't know. A thirty-six-year bond is too strong and will remain forever. History cannot be erased. I say thank you to life and to Milan. I see a new era represented: a Berlusconi two point zero. A review of the Italian history of the last 40 years, political and entrepreneurial. I said it before my departure. Today, you, the current Milan management, are in charge, but please respect history. So it kind of ends it there. Now, obviously, it's quite a lot of controversial takes. There's a lot of 
there's a lot is it true is it not true um there's a lot of um thrown under the bus of certain individuals and named as well um which is a little bit unclassy if i've got to be honest but again i understand it the way that he got the way that it was all dealt with when he left was quite bad you know the the club didn't deal with it particularly well i thought in terms of yeah. how they communicated it um it was all quite confusing and then they tried to mask it didn't they with a really good budget a really good um transfer market sale of tonali etc etc so I understand why he's done it. I understand why he's come out and said what he said. I don't blame him for it because he's been he hasn't been treated probably the way that he should have been treated after what he achieved. Definitely not. No. But I'm he not. Did, but he did screw it up. He did make some mistakes. He did make some financial implication mistakes. He didn't strengthen the team well no. after the Scudetto year. So you can understand why he went. It just wasn't done very well. So again, like I said, I understand why he's come out and said all this. Um I'm kind of on the fence with it because in one mind I've got this is Paolo Maldini like he cares about Milan he clearly cares about Milan and he's never done anything that would suggest that he doesn't he's never done anything that shows at least I think in my opinion an agenda against it Um, but at the same time it kind of puts the Milan management in a really difficult situation where I think it's best that they don't say anything because replying or responding to it, I think, would cause more problems. What they need to do now is, I suppose, win on the pitch, don't they? And kind of be able to say, well, actually, he was wrong. Look at what we've achieved this year. Um, so I'm left with a bit of a sour taste in my mouth as to, whether, you know, is any of this true? And if it is, actually, should we be worried? Is this how they're running it? You know, the other week you said to me, Falani's like an accountant. If accountants are what are running this club without any kind of football know you know you know a charismatic figure something that heads the sporting side of it with experience then we might be in a bit of trouble for the years to come um yeah that's just my take what what do you think in general over this Uh, i mean so in general I, i can't i couldn't agree more with everything you've just said to be honest i think there are a few things that stand out number one if people are treating this like he's the jilted ex you know, I'm just kind of waiting for I'm just waiting for the moment where, you know, my car set alight and uh, my name's sort of slandered on social media. So <laughs> I'm just, uh, you know, so not saying that that's happened before people, but, you know, it's uh, just, just, just Google it. Uh, please don't do that, guys. No, please. please. Yeah, it's it's more than being like a. a, a the kind of the jilted lover idea is what's kind of played out in Italy a little bit by this interview. And it's, it's not that he is deeply in love with that club. That club is everything to him. He had opportunities to go to the premier league. He had opportunities to sign for other clubs. He said no to all of them. You know, he could have gone to that great Real team. He said, no, he could have gone to Barcelona. He said, no. So there are, this is a man who represents Milan. His father represented Milan. His son played at Milan. The name Maldini, when he did that interview, that podcast with uh, Fedez, an Italian rapper, who's married to probably the most annoying woman in, in history after you know Taylor Swift. Um, I, su- I second that. I right. Second that. Uh, it's... Uh, for those who don't know, this Fedez is, a, is an annoying rapper... Who, who I, I can't make head or sense of any of his songs, 
Um, and I want to pull this, but um, his wife um, doesn't seem to have any ability of speaking Italian properly, even though she's from Milan. Uh, every third word is an English word. It just makes no sense. It's like how Nigella Lawson just throws in an Italian word randomly. It's like, there's no need for that. Leave that out. Anyway, um, but in that podcast, he said, it's strange how my name has all the letters of Milan in it. So there is this a bit of low-G God complex going on, right? That's an element to it. I think the way it was handled, like you said, perfectly was awful. I think the way he was like just kicked out him and Masara kicked out awful. I was critical of Masara at the beginning. I then understood a bit more about him. I think what the club then did with the sale of Tonali and the res the quickness of response to bring in as many players showed a very, very different style because it was all very under the radar. It's done all very quickly. You know, you never really heard about the rumours of which players they were bringing in. And when there was a rumour, it didn't come off. Did you notice that? Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're spot on. Yeah. So when there was like that, the, the Porto striker, the rumour of the Porto striker, and then the Porto striker visits, and then they can't find an accord... There's a reason why that happened. It's because the Porto striker started to believe his own press. Whereas all the other signings was like, shit, AC Milan want me? Amazing. Right? And it was very different to the Maldini style. We seem to have done a lot of work in the 2022-2023 calendar window, or the 23 yeah, 22-23 calendar window of getting De Ketlare. We made a song and dance about it. We put on way too much pressure for the lad. Lo and behold, he's a flop, right? Because of the pressure. And yet Adley was purchased and Adley wasn't used. You know, Pioli was kind of condemned by that De Ketlare signing to use him. It's like, we're going to use him regardless. Yeah, but he's struggling. Yeah, we're going to use him regardless. So I think there's that. Going back to his comments, the Scaroni comment was pure fire because he was one of the first ones to be there. And and also, if anybody... And, and he also talks about the history of Milan. Those who come in have to understand the history of Milan is one of the things he said, wasn't it? And he says that. He says, those who come in have to understand about the history of Milan. I'm hearing about the Berlusconi V2. I'm just going off memory, by the way, so people can correct me if I'm wrong. He says, I hear about the, the, the Berlusconi era V2. You're talking about one of the great um, entrepreneurs and one of the great entrepreneurs of Italian commerce and politicians of the last 40 years. Right? That's him basically saying, don't get above your station, mate. That's him warning Cardinale. You know, Milanese will not take kindly to it. They just won't take kindly to it. When it was the state funeral of Berlusconi, it was like a football match outside the Duomo in Milan. And if anybody's been to the Duomo in Milan, 
you will know how big that piazza is. You will know, if you watch the footage, how much that cordon back from the Duomo was. And you will understand that when you see 30-foot flags and banners from the ultras of Milan, there is still a lot of love for Berlusconi. So Maldini's giving a big parting shot to all of that. When he starts off with saying, you know, I'm a Milan, you know, lover, first and foremost, that's not one of contrition. That is, you know, shut up and listen. There are elements throughout it where it is scorned, but there is also elements of, you know, I could have been treated better. I could, you know, I could have been treated better. This other stuff of, is he an individualist? Wasn't he an individualist? We won't really know the answer to that. We won't. American bosses work very different to European bosses. Having had both American and European bosses, American bosses hire and fire. It's quick. They don't care. It's very detached. European bosses, it's it's like the soft, it's like the soft breakup. You know, it's not you, it's me kind of scenario. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, you're right. There, there, there is a difference. There is a difference to all of this. So I think there is an issue of culture. And there was an issue of culture in how you dealt with Maldini. Is Maldini problematic? From what I hear, there are suggestions of he can be stubborn. Does that make him a bad DS? I wouldn't say so. But if all he was arguing for was more budget, and then he's saying, I wouldn't have sold Tonali. Well, Milan got the budget because they sold Tonali. You see what I mean? It's kind of, at, at, at some point, you've also got to kind of take some responsibility and say, yeah, we could have sold Leao and got 100 million. And we could have brought in five players. Yeah. And we could have sold Tonali and brought in another five players. Does Milan want to be the club that every two seasons brings in 10 new players all the time? Would it work? Uh, I just don't think Maldini was willing to do it. I think Maldini was reach into your pocket and pay for the players. Rather than sell a player, rebuild your squad. Inter had no issue selling Hakimi. Did they? No, no. Or Lukaku. Or Lukaku. When they sold him. They... Zero fucks given. No, no, no. You but know they, 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 they need to though, don't they? They absolutely have to do it because of where they are. Yeah. Um, and like you said, without selling Tonali, we don't have the budget for all the virtually what four or five of those signings. So, you know, right. if if you're not willing to make that sacrifice to then ultimately improve the team, then you are kind of hindering, aren't you? Well, what, you know, as a as as a dirigente, as a manager. What do you, what is the one, what's the one thing that you think 
you personally, Matt, do you think that Maldini brought to the table? What, as a sporting director? Yeah. One thing he brought to the table, what, above anything else. I mean, I think it's his uh, ability to build rapport. You know, how do, you don't just go to Spain and get Theo Hernandez. You, you've got to You've got to be able to do that in a way that uh, gets that player on your side, right? Um, and, you know, how does he keep Liao through that contract extension? How does he... The, the way that he does that, the personal element of the way that he works is probably the best trait. I think that's what we're going to miss the most. I think that's where we talk about accountants. I think that's what what will could cause us issues. Yeah. Um, it's his name. That I mean, for me, it's his name, which is precisely what you said. Hmm. You know, it's the name. The name build the name builds the rapport, right? I.e., if there was a twenty-five-year-old Puyol at Barcelona that wasn't getting playing time, Maldini could have got him. Not an accountant. Yeah, yeah spot on. So it was kind of like the whole timing of it, how it was released, how to basically... I mean, how? I mean, Milan Twitter needs to get a grip of itself. Jesus Christ. Oh, God. Some people need to just... Some people just need to be lined up and slapped. <laughs> I swear to God, there are some people that just... They just need to... Just need to calm down. Have a chamomile, lads. Just calm down. Right? Yeah, You know, yeah. all he was asking for was more budget. Well, what, what, you know, and I want a toilet seat made out of gold. Doesn't mean that I can't, you know, it doesn't mean that I don't end up selling my prized possessions to not have it, you know, to then just have it. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah, yeah, absolutely. You've, yeah. you've got to kind of, you've got to just like, I, I agree, by the way, I think the DS is that we've got now. I don't like them, man. They they seem to just they do seem to be accountants. No offense to ca accountants, but you know, I never once went to a party at university where accountants were given it large. Do you know? Like it's honest to God, I've got an accountant myself. I've got my own business. I would never think about joining them for Christmas drinks. Nothing about them, nothing about them as a, just a general people is anything that I would ever deem to be just flamboyant or, or exciting. And, you know, at that point, you've got young players today. They want to be wowed. They want to be wooed, right? The, the, the golden era of, 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 of NBA, let's think of another sport, NBA. The reason why you got your Charles Barkleys and your Jordans, uh, you know, after the Larry Bird Johnson era. So it you wooed them. You made a song and dance to bring them in. You didn't do it with accountants. You did it with selling a lifestyle. What the hell is an accountant going to sell to me as a lifestyle? They're not, and that and that's your the point you make is spot on, and that's the problem. I think that's what that's what we'll ultimately lose. Right? Should we should we move on? Yeah. Right. Let's let's do some questions, then we'll wrap up a bit. So we've got two questions from listeners today, uh, Gino, and they are: 
First one from Corn Dog. Uh, do you see a world where Milan fans completely flip their opinion on Pabega? Uh, Pabega one day, uh, like Greenwich, briefly last year. And do you think this team can ever be serious with Calabria starting? Um, <laughs> All right, Corn Dog. <laughs> he's gone for it, isn't he? Uh, he's oh, like, probably gone in hard, two footed there. So, do I uh, flip your opinion on Pabega? I don't think so. Pabega's a one dimensional player. I think he'll always get yeah. the, the heat that he gets. Um, Calabria, can we be serious with Calabria? Yes, we can be serious with Calabria can, starting. Yeah. We have been, but yeah. like we talked about last week, he's just very hit and miss. You don't know where, yeah. you just can't tell his best and his worst performance and when they're coming. Yeah. Um, would you add anything else to that? Do you know any difference? Of no, I, I just 100% with you. Perfect. 100%. Sorry, corn dog. <laughs> um, and then we've got Stephen the Don. At, in his, his, Stephen his, the Don? Stephen the Don and his Twitter handle is at Steve Talks Footy. Love it. Love He's, it. He says, how long do you think Purdy will last in charge? I'll let you go first on this one. Uh, com- do you know what? Completely depends on what I would reckon to be the next three games. Because that takes us up to the to the winter break. It takes us into January. Um, if we if we get nothing more than a win and a draw, I think he stays on till the end of the season. But I think if he I think if he absolutely fluffs his lines. I think if we get two consecutive losses, yeah, I, I think he's gone in January. Mm-hmm. Who they bring in, and again, I think this goes to the culture and the Maldini thing that we were saying before. American co American owners and managers generally tend to already have a game plan, which is what Maldini was saying. He feels like there was a game plan already to get rid of him months beforehand. Yeah. And I think that there is a game plan to potentially bring in Abate to see him to the end of the season. Uh, it, it feels like the leaks are too often and too, too almost a bit too accurate now. Uh, so I think, so to answer your, your, your question, Steve, um, I think it all depends on the next three games. If Milan, if Milan lose the next two, he's definitely gone. If Milan get win, draw, win, draw, loss, I think he ends up staying till the end of the season because they'll think, why risk it? We can still get top four. But then they've got to get a new manager early. They've got to get one fast. Um, and they've got to structure their whole, uh, what's it called? Uh, their whole uh, uh, transfer market on it. What about you, Max? What do you think? Honestly, Gino, I don't think he's going anywhere till June. Right. Um, I, I just, although I, although I think like you, if he loses and draws and whatever, he should be gone. I just don't think he's going anywhere. I think they were, I think he's got this seat until June minimum. Right. And then they'll then they'll redo it because I I just can't see a world where they have the balls to sack him. Um, right. If he cut, if he comes out of the Champions League group and he's out of fourth, then maybe I can see it. But I just I, I just don't see it happening for some reason. I think it, I think they think it will destabilize everything too much. Yeah. Um, so that's that's just my opinion though. I, I think it should happen um, as soon as he he's at the Champions League, if I'm honest. But I don't think it's going to happen. Um, right. Let's move on to Botti and Canoli. So do you want to go first? Uh, you can go on. Okay. All right. Okay. Fine. 
Um, so what have I got for you? So Botidadi this week, I've got the refs uh, in Serie A and their, and their poor um, colleagues in the VAR room against quite a few different games, actually. Yeah. It, was not, it wasn't good this weekend. Terrible. I agree with you 100% on that. I've got um, the reaction to Maldini interview, but we've talked about that enough, so I won't go into that. Um, I've got um, Italy's Euro group getting stuck. <laughs> oh, fuck. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know what? I planned that one out of my mind. Yeah. <laughs> and everybody needs to go on the Instagram account of uh, Calciatori Brutti to see the video that they put together where it's four guys in a car singing top loaders dancing in the moonlight. Oh, yeah, I've seen that. That's brilliant. Yeah. And it's the... absolutely genius. And Albania's a miserable one. Al- Albania's a miserable one. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's brilliant. Um, so, yeah, just typical. Milan in the group of death. And now Italy, not exactly in the best group. I mean, England, there. again, has managed to draw the Carabao Cup side of the draw. It's amazing how they do it every single time. Wow. You know, I, I I looked at routes and where Italy could go and whatever. But if I'm honest with you, I don't even think we're gonna. I don't think we get out Albania. of the group. I don't yeah, think so we're out of the group. No, no. So I stopped there and then, but that's that's annoying. And then lastly, I put um the I know it's upset you this week, but the potential return of Lord Gabia was my last spot <laughs> in that. Yeah. Um, I just bring bring him back. Just bring. Let's just bring him. Let's just cuddle him. Yeah. Let's just let's just whisper words in his ears and say you're a better defender than what you are. Believe yeah. in yourself, young man. Spot on. Yeah. I think he needs to be hung up in the Madonina as a saint and, and recorded as such. Yeah, slapped around a bit. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> uh, and then my cannolis for the week are Theo at centre back. I thought he did a really good job, all things considered. He yeah. didn't look that much out of place. He's got the stature for it. Um, and he still bombed forwards, uh, which was worrying, yeah. but he still did it. Uh, I've got Pulisic's first touch off that Malik Manion assist. Uh, I can't believe I broke this down in my Canoni, but then I forgot to mention it in the Serie A recap. But I've got Henri's, uh, um, not Henri, Henry's 97th minute winner um, and Ongodje's bicycle kick in the Verona game. But then lastly, I've got Benesser's comeback slash return. What have you got for me? Um, all of those plus Jovic's goal. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I agree. So that that sorts it for me. Very nice. Should we end it there then? Let's end it there. Right, guys. Um, you can find me on X uh, at Lombardia Max Capital L Capital M. You can find me on Instagram Max underscore Lombardia, or you can follow my uh, YouTube account at Maxi Lombardia. Uh, plug away, Gino. Yeah, you can find me on X at Gino De Blas uh, and on Instagram at Gino De Blas. G I N O D E B L A S. And if you want to, you can click on a link on either of those things and sign up to my free, uh, free newsletter. Fantastic. Right, guys, we'll leave it at that. Thank you very much, Gina. Thank you, Max. Thank you so much. And we'll just uh, play out a song uh, that's been in my head all week, thanks to your Substack. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you.